Welcome to The Common Rounds, medical education for medical students by medical students. Today we'll continue our discussion on the four pericardial diseases. Last time we talked about acute and constrictive pericarditis and how they are related to acute and chronic inflammatory processes. This time we'll go through the diagnosis and management of pericardial effusions and cardiac tamponade. Before we start talking about the diseases, I want to quickly revise some basic pathology concepts regarding transudates and exudates. This core concept seems to recur in a lot of diseases. We commonly deal with a lot of diseases that have fluid accumulation throughout the body. In the abdomen, it's called ascites. In the lung linings, it's called a pleural effusion. And in the tissues, it's called peripheral edema. And in the heart lining, it's called a pericardial effusion. Depending on the injury, mechanisms of fluid leakage is different, and consequently the type of fluid accumulation is different too. The two main categories of fluids are transudates and exudates. Within a blood vessel, you have a hydrostatic forces that push fluids out of the vessel, and colloid osmotic pressures that draw fluids to remain into the blood vessel. There is a fine balance between these two forces that prevents a fluid leaking across the vascular bed in normal circumstances. However, in conditions that increase the hydrostatic pressure, such as venous outflow obstruction and congestive heart failure, can force more fluid across the vascular bed than is being drawn back. This leads to a transudate buildup in the affected areas. Similarly, if there is a decrease in colloid pressure, such as when there is a decrease in protein synthesis in liver diseases, or when there is excess protein loss in nephrotic syndromes, more fluid stays out of the vascular compartment as it is not being drawn back into the blood vessel. This also leads to a transudate leakout. The characteristics of a transudate is that they are mainly fluids. They are low in protein content and few in cells. This is seen as their mechanism is mainly to do with fluid leakage across the blood vessel walls. Now taking a look at exudates, an exudate is formed in inflammation. In inflammation, you get vasodilation of the blood vessel, stasis of blood flow, increased interendothelial spaces, and all these factors combined promote fluid and cells to pass through the blood vessels to reach the affected area. White blood cells leave the blood vessel to reach the area of inflammation to clear the injury. By comparing these two, you can see that exudates are high in protein content and are more cellular than compared to transudates. With this in mind, we'll be able to better understand how pericardial fluids accumulate and become a pericardial effusion. So what is a pericardial effusion? This is when there is a buildup of fluid within the pericardial sac. This buildup could be transudative, such as from congestive heart failure or hypoalbuminemia. The fluid could also be exudative, or also known as seroanguinous. The causes of an exudative pericardial effusion are closely linked to inflammation. So any cause that causes pericarditis would irritate the pericardial membrane. And then the increased vascular permeability allows fluids and cells to leave the blood vessel and thus accumulate in the pericardial sac. Blood can also accumulate in the pericardium too. This is called a hemopericardium and could be the result from trauma or a postmyocardial rupture or from an aortic dissection. The symptoms of a pericardial effusion largely depends on the volume of effusion, rate of the effusion development, and also the underlying cardiac disease. Normally, there is around about 50 mls of fluid in the pericardial sac, and chronic effusions can gradually accumulate up to 500 mls, with minimal consequences as the outer layers of the pericardium are slowly stretched. 
this doesn't affect the cardiac function until the effusions are quite large. However, if the accumulation of the effusion is rapid, even 200 mils can cause a significant tamponade, as there is no time for the pericardium to stretch and accommodate this increase in intrapericardial fluid volume. So what does a patient with pericardial effusion look like? They may be asymptomatic, or picked up during evaluating a case of acute pericarditis. On auscultation, the patient's heart sounds may sound distant. There also may be a dullness to percussion on the lower angle of the left scapula due to the effusions compressing the left lower lobe of the lung. This is called a Ewart sign. On investigation, echocardiograms are the procedure of choice to visualize fluid in the pericardial sac. A chest x-ray also may show cardiomegaly and a rounded cardiac silhouette. In certain occasions, pericardial synthesis is indicated to diagnose TB, malignant, or purulent effusions. How do you treat a pericardial effusion? As the effusion can be caused by different mechanisms, the goal is to find out the underlying cause and treat it. In most cases, pericardial effusions resolve spontaneously, and we can monitor its progress by frequent monitoring with echocardiograms. One very important point worth re-mentioning is that when the effusions accumulate rapidly, this can lead to a cardiac tamponade. Cardiac tamponade is a life-threatening accumulation of pericardial fluid as it compresses the heart, affecting the cardiac output. This can occur with any cause of pericarditis, but especially malignancy, infections, uremia, ruptures from ascending aortic dissections, myocardial ruptures, and trauma. So what makes a cardiac tamponade lethal? The cardiac output is affected in these cases as the increased fluid in the pericardium can cause compression onto the heart chambers. The diastolic pressure, or the resting pressure in the heart chambers, will become raised, which will affect the amount of blood filling the ventricles. This can manifest as a physical sign known as a raised JVP with a blunted Y descent. The Y descent is the part of the JVP waveform corresponding to atrial emptying when the tricuspid valves opens. If there is not a large pressure gradient difference in the ventricles, such as in the case of a cardiac tamponade, the blood doesn't readily flow from the atria into the ventricle. The less blood entering the ventricle means that less blood leaves the heart. In this case, a drop in cardiac output. The cardiac output falls as the right side of the heart is affected first. As the cardiac tamponade worsens, the same pressure problems start to affect the left side, leading to a greater drop in cardiac output. Another consequence of the raised intrapericardial pressure is the sign pulses paradoxus. This term means that there is a greater than 10 mm mercury drop in the patient's systolic blood pressure when they breathe in. The reason why this occurs is very similar to constrictive pericarditis. When the patient breathes in, the negative intrathoracic pressure causes a greater venous return, bringing more blood into the right side of the heart. As the pericardium is limiting the heart's expansion, the expanded right ventricle presses the septum into the left side. This limits the cardiac output on the left side of the heart. As a result, the blood pressure drops as less blood can leave the left side of the heart during inspiration. There are many signs associated with cardiac tamponade listed in medical textbooks. Most importantly, patients who are symptomatic with cardiac tamponade would present with cardiogenic shock. They may have a raised JVP with a flat Y descent. They also may have a muffled heart sound. 
Most importantly, the presence of pulses paradoxes greater than 10 millimeters mercury is key to distinguish a patient from having just a pericardial effusion to having a cardiac tamponade. In terms of investigations, the echocardiogram is the most frequently used diagnostic tool to evaluate cardiac tamponade. In addition to a pericardial effusion, the echocardiogram also needs to show signs such as a right atrial systolic collapse, right ventricular diastolic collapse, inferior vena cava plethora, and exaggeration of respirophasic changes in flow velocities across the tricuspid and mitral valve areas. The gold standard diagnostic tests are invasive procedures such as intrapericardial and intracardiac pressure measurements. On a chest x-ray, the patient's cardiac silhouette would be enlarged. The treatment of cardiac tamponade in general is to remove the fluid from the pericardium through pericardiocentesis. Volume replacement and positive ionotropes may also be used to improve cardiac output. In summary, today we talked about pericardial effusions and cardiac tamponade. We discussed how effusions can occur and the difference between transudates and exudates. Exudates are usually more cellular than transudates and are more likely to be due to inflammatory causes. Pericardial effusions can accumulate as transudates or exudates, or even blood, depending on the causes. While small accumulations can be asymptomatic, and most cases resolve themselves provided that the underlying cause is treated. If the fluid accumulation occurs rapidly, this can affect the heart's ability to fill and lead to cardiac tamponade. On physical examination, a drop in systolic blood pressure greater than 10 millimeters mercury during inspiration, or also known as pulses paradoxus, is a strong indicator that the patient has a cardiac tamponade, rather than just a pericardial effusion. Thank you for listening to The Common Rounds. If you like this talk, check out more of our episodes on our podcast, as well as on YouTube under Common Rounds. I am Andy. We'll see you next time. Our episode today was put together by our executive producer, Gautam, and our core editor, Cindy. For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com, or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.